0: This episode of Oppo is brought to you in part by WealthBar. WealthBar makes it unbelievably easy to access professionally managed investments and financial advice. Invest in a professionally managed portfolio in minutes. You'll also get unlimited financial advice from a certified financial planner, when and however it works for you. Sign up in minutes at wealthbar.com/canadaland and get a $100 fee credit. Visit wealthbar.com/canadaland for more offer details.
1: This episode of Oppo is also brought to you by Audible. Audible has the best audiobook performances, the largest library, and the most exclusive content, curated by and for Canadians. Start a 30-day trial and your first Audible book is free. Learn more at audible.ca slash Canada. That's audible.ca slash C-A-N-A-D-A.
0: From Canadaland, this is Oppo. I'm Jen Gerson in Calgary, and I'm Sandy Garasino
1: in Vancouver. Hello out there in vacuum land.
0: On this week's show, we are going to do our best to try not to talk about COVID-19. We're going to fail a little bit, but I don't know about you, Sandy, but I am just emotionally exhausted. I cannot do this anymore. This is
1: the strangest time because I am glued to every little bit of COVID news that there is. At the same time, there's less to say. The more you look at it, the less there is to talk about. We're just like, we're watching it and waiting it, and
0: now it's time maybe to think about something else. All I have to say about the news right now is that the train is off the tracks and the house is burning to the ground. So let's move on, shall we? As the global pandemic affects everything around us, it can actually obscure some of the other interesting stories that are currently happening. So today we're going to try and give you an update on Global Markets, the sordid, hilarious and depressing tale of Alberta's health minister, and our analysis of why we're so obsessed about hoarding great cats in Oklahoma.
1: This episode of OPPO is brought to you in part by Audible. Audible has the best audiobook performances, the largest library, and the most exclusive content curated by and for Canadians. For instance, I was just looking this morning and I could see that one of my favorite books, my favorite book about facing catastrophe is um, The World of Yesterday by Stefan Zweig, which is supposedly an obscure book, but I recommend it. And you know what? You can get it on Audible. Start a 30-day trial and your first Audible book is free. Learn more at audible.ca slash Canada. That's audible.ca slash C-A-N-A-D-A. Are you playing the markets right now, Jen?
0: Oh, fuck no. I can't even open my portfolio, (laughs) such as I have one. I don't even want to look at it. In fact, you know what? I think that that's probably the best thing to do. If you're relatively young, you just sort of accept that the numbers don't matter and aren't real, and you just... Decide not to open your Quest Trade account for another five or six years. How about that?
1: Yeah, so, something like that. I actually, I do pay a lot of attention to the markets, and I still think that they have not really absorbed, I don't think anybody has really absorbed the aftershock, what the economic aftershocks of this are going to be and what the impacts are. But we're watching it all the time. And the other thing that really bothers me about it all is that I think that Donald Trump with his oil manipulation and oil diplomacy, I actually feel like he is deliberately moving markets for domestic producers for domestic purposes with dangling this news that, oh, there's going to be a Saudi Russia deal and then that all falls apart. But look what happened
0: to the markets. And the real concern is actually the tariffs that he's that he's talking about putting on uh, oil imports. So look, I think there's two lines. If we're going to talk about markets, I think there are two schools of thought on this, the current state of the markets. There are the optimists who think that this is just a kind of a short-term shock, um, that the fundamentals of the economy are still relatively strong, and that you know whenever these lockdowns come up, all of the employment and pent-up buying demand are going to come rushing back. And then there are people like me who are pessimists, who believe that we're going to go back to like a 1910 style supply chain and are stocking up on seeds and fucking ammo. And I think what we're seeing with Donald Trump... Are you stocking up on ammo? (laughs) You know, if I were stocking up on ammo, I couldn't talk about it because that is an irresponsible thing for a potential gun owner to do. (laughs) Not that I'm a potential gun owner. But the thing that I would say is like the two things that indicate to me that we're in for a very rough ride is, for example... Trump sort of ordering 3M not to deliver masks to Canada, and also the the sort of talk about oil tariffs. Mm-hmm. What I'm concerned about is that right now, you know, we've closed the the American border to all tourism, but we're still keeping it open for um, cargo trade because it would be fucking insane to close the border to cargo trade. You know, I think last uh, stat I looked up is that like we in Canada import something like almost 60 percent of our food even though we're a net food exporter, which means we export a lot of grains and staples, but we import a lot of our food as well. So my concern going forward is that, you know, this pandemic is going to swing people, especially in the United States, to a much more um, nativist and isolationist policy, and that whatever, you know, skepticism they had toward global trade and trade with Canada before is only going to solidify and harden into something completely insane and irrational. And, you know, then what happens to our dollar what happens to our export markets. I mean, crude oil is our top export. If the Americans start putting a tariff on it, then what, you know, what happens to our our supply chains and what happens to our food supply? And, you know, I don't think that, That lends itself to a rosy picture about the markets in the medium term. I think that that lends itself to the idea that, you know, this pandemic could fundamentally shift global trade in a way that we can't really fix or go back to in a short term way.
1: Well, I think that the carnage, and I do think there's going to be carnage, um, is going to be very broad and sweeping Uh, and I don't feel that the markets, what I'm seeing and what I'm in the people I'm talking to, I am not seeing an awareness at the analytical level of just how deep this is going to go and how long lasting, how wide the impacts are going to be. My concern about things like the tariffs one of the things that I feel very strongly, and I've, I've only increasingly started to feel this way with everything that Donald Trump does is that there's always a grift behind it, that this isn't really actually about policy, or driven by any p- kind of public interest, that there's a grift in there. I feel like there's a grift in this hydroxychloroquine business that he's mm-hmm. pulling up all the time. My pillow guy turning up at presidential briefings during a pandemic. So it's very hard to say what the ultimate long-term impacts really are going to be, because I think that things like the 3M mask fiasco is going to resolve itself. But we're in for real problems and we are in for huge problems over oil and gas. And I think as a nation, I think we're going to have to start to really confront what our national interests and policy interests are in supporting an oil and gas industry that may not have a real future.
0: Well, let's, and let's define what future means. Cause if we're talking about like oil and gas in the next 100, 150 years, or are we talking about oil and gas in the next 20 and 30? Because those are two very, very, very different conversations. I do think that right now, the thing that I'm concerned about is that this pandemic is going to fundamentally shake a lot of assumptions about globalization. And in fact, even for someone like me, who's generally pretty free trade, it already is shaking some assumptions. Like I'm already on board with the idea that there are certain strategic supplies that we just need to maintain production of in Canada. Like, we should be probably supplying our own medicine. We should probably be manufacturing our own um, uh, medical equipment. We probably should have like a couple of foodstuffs that we just understand have to always be produced in Canada. And I'm not saying that we need to maintain supply management. I'm not necessarily ready to turn my opinions on that one. I think there are probably better ways to do it. But, you know, I don't think that we can afford to operate under the assumption that we are always just going to be able to bring in food from other places. And and I think that this pandemic is just shaking my faith in a lot of those things. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that.
1: Well, I think there's way, way, way too much complexity in that subject for quick answers. I saw some some discussion about this on Twitter, and it just seems like it's very easy to um, arrive at it. Well, we should just have our own, we should be making our own um, medical equipment without grasping, well, what does that really mean? But hey... There's Tiger King, and there's there's Shandro yes. to talk about. What on earth is going on with Shandro?
0: We promised a relatively light episode, this this one, and sort yeah. of like, like apocalyptic predictions of doom by Jen Gerson <laughs> is not really where I was planning on going. But you know what? I'm in a dark place, and I just can't be dishonest about that. So let's talk about Tyler Shandro, Alberta's health minister, because this story is crazy. So as many people are aware that, you know, especially with the decline in oil, Alberta really needs to cut um, back on spending in addition to potentially increasing revenue streams, although I'm not sure what kind of revenue streams there even are to uh, increase at this particular moment, because things are grim. But anyway, point being, uh, Alberta actually has some of the highest paid public servants in the country by a significant margin, including some of the highest paid doctors, highest paid teachers, and that has always been Um, A consequence of kind of the the, the What did Chandro do, Jen? What did Shandro do? I need to set this up because you need to understand the underlying tension tension between the health minister and the doctors. So the health minister is, you know, and all of Alberta government is in a position where they are trying to reduce costs and that is going to come at uh, the expense especially of of, of, of Chandro's mad at the doctors. doctors. What did he do? The tension is also coming in the midst of a pandemic when, like, we have never needed to show more love and support for doctors. So Shander introduces this whole new health package that doctors claim is going to effectively reduce their compensation. There's a lot of back and forth, yada, yada, yada. But in the midst of this, the pandemic hits, and then Alberta introduces this new, like, um, health app from TELUS. And around the same time, this um, rumor starts to go out around social media and on Facebook that uh, Tyler Chandra's wife, who's involved in in, in kind of a virtual health company, is in conflict of interest because, of course, she is uh, married to the health minister. This thing starts to circulate. People start to uh, attack his wife, like sending her emails, um, sending her nasty messages, all that kind of stuff. Tyler Chandra completely freaks out. And in the midst of a pandemic shows up to a doctor's house who lives in his neighborhood. He and his wife show up in their driveway and start screaming at this doctor for sharing this Facebook post. Which is fucking insane. And then uh, you and know, a couple then, days later, and then and then a couple of days later, like kind of like <laughs> quasi apologizes, but not really, because he's like, my wife didn't get into politics; she doesn't deserve to be attacked by this. And then, like, it later finds out that like he's been calling doctors off hours and all kinds of crazy shit. So, and how's he been getting the phone numbers, Jan? Where did oh, he get oh, the yeah. phone number? No, no, he got how? How did he get this? He got them by like breaking privacy legislation to get the phone number somehow. Like, I, I guess there's some kind of like provincial database of phone numbers
1: he went into a confidential listing to get the doctor's phone numbers
0: yeah he went into a confidential listing to get the doctor's phone numbers now shandro is claiming that he he said claimed that at least one of the doctor's phone numbers he got legitimately because like the doctor approached him after an event of some kind but like jen, no, this jen is all let's super... just cut to the
1: chase here tyler shandro is a nut bar and yeah, he's, he's, what on he's, earth is going on in the premier's office that they're putting up with this insanity
0: He's rapidly becoming unhinged. That's what it like it comes across as, that he's becoming rapidly unhinged. And meanwhile, you've got Kenny coming forward saying like, he's the best health minister that we ever had. I mean, it's just like, like they're keeping him, to be fair, they are keeping him as far away from the COVID stuff as they possibly can. All, almost all of our COVID messaging is coming directly from Dr. Hinshaw, who is like wildly regarded as highly competent and wonderful. So like, I don't think that this is necessarily undermining the public's faith in our COVID efforts, but this is completely freaking insane. So like, honestly, I think all people who work in the health field at every level are under incredible amounts of stress. And some people handle that stress really well. And some people devolve into the sort of screaming crazy person who goes to a doctor's driveway and starts yelling at them while maintaining social distancing. So we know what kind of person Tyler Shander is falling into. And it's amazing to watch. It has actually been amazing to watch.
1: Well, I think ultimately this falls at the feet of the Premier, who is, this is somebody who should have resigned when the first controversy happened. The first controversy, which was the screaming in the driveway episode, it should have been the beginning and the end of the Tyler Shandro story, and that should have done it. And, you know, it's one strike and you're out on that kind of thing, but using a confidential listing to get to doctors and then phoning them. No, it's not acceptable.
0: And there's, there's just, just because there's no part of me that is defending. Defending this but but, but
1: excuse me, the, the, whole, the whole point of this is the failure of leadership at the premier's office and what he is willing to put up with. And why is he willing to put up with this?
0: Well, and that's actually an interesting question. My theory about why he's putting up with this is that like he doesn't want to show weakness or lack of resolve in a moment when, uh, you know, trust in the public health system is at a premium. And my also and the guess opposite
1: is, is coming through. Actually,
0: well, yes, probably, but that this is just my theory about why they're doing this. And then my other theory is that literally their front bench is so thin that who would you replace them with is the question. So those are my two theories as to why he's making these choices. And I want to be clear, no part of me is defending Tyler Shandro here because this is completely insane and unacceptable behavior. But the why this is happening is kind of an interesting one to ponder.
1: I would just close by saying that talking about doctors making more money than doctors anywhere else in Canada would apply to just about everybody in Alberta. And that's something that I think Albertans don't really get the picture of which is that their incomes and not to mention the fact that they don't pay sales tax provincial sales tax but the incomes in alberta have historically for for the last decade and a half been off the charts relative to the rest of Canada, and welcome to the real world, everybody.
0: And this is completely correct. That That's why public salaries have traditionally been so much higher. That is absolutely 100% correct. It's been a reflection of the fact that incomes here have been higher generally, and in order to get people to move here, you need to thus reflect the sort of the wage gap in the rest of the country. So that's completely true. But what's different now is that those incomes have now fallen through the floor. Um, Are are there
1: tigers to talk about? Can we talk about tigers?
0: Yeah, let's never talk about this ever again. Let's move on (laughs) to Tiger King. (laughs) This episode of Oppo is brought to you by Wealthbar. Take control. Get full transparency into your fees and performance anywhere, anytime. Because Wealthbar makes it easy to make more confident decisions about your money. You can speak to a financial advisor by phone, chat, email, or book a meeting. All services included in your fees, regardless of how much you have to invest. Wealthbar makes it easy to better your financial habits with automated investing and their easy to use mobile app, so you can stay more connected to your money. There's value and advice. We're in a down market and that has a lot of investors feeling anxious about their investments. Wealthbar offers professional financial advisors to all clients, regardless of how much they have to invest. They'll work with you on a financial plan or answer questions about your investments. Sign up in minutes at wealthbar.com canadaland and get a $100 fee credit. Visit WealthBar.com slash CanadaLand for more offer details. Sandy, have you watched Tiger King? And why are we so obsessed with ti- about Tiger King? Because there's a whole question to be asked about this.
1: I have watched Tiger King and my theory about why we're obsessed with Tiger King is that it, it is it's the fighting and the boxing and the martial arts equivalent of cat and pet and kitten videos. This is the this mm. is like the lowest common denominator that also involves videos
0: of cats and big mm-hmm. cats. Yep. I'm just going to assume that everybody's watched Tiger King because what else have you had to do, really? But just so that you're aware, Tiger King is a series that has just been released on Netflix following the story of Joe Exotic, also known as the Tiger King of Oklahoma, and his ongoing feud with a woman named Carol Baskin who uh you know has always accused him of killing and selling tiger cubs. Um and, and she runs her and she runs her own supposed tiger rescue. Yeah, she runs her own supposed tiger rescue, right? It's not a it's not a zoo, it's a tiger rescue. Um so anyway, uh just an absolutely fascinating and sordid tale between these two people. Joe Exotic is like a gun-toting gay dude who's part of a thruple. And Carol Baskin has been accused of, you know, killing her husband and literally hiding the body by feeding it to the cats in order to secure his multi-million dollar empire, and then throwing all that money into like basically a fake cat rescue. And it really delves into like the underground culture of big cat breeding in the United States. Apparently, there are more big cats in the United S- in captivity in the U.S. than there are in the wild now, and there's a reason for that is because there's this whole creepy little subculture that the the documentary very brilliantly delves into. So if you have not seen it, it's weird, it's twisted, it will make you feel dirty inside, but you will not be able to pull your head away. And I mean, like, there's... there's It's white trash
1: Hello Kitty. Yes, yes,
0: it's white trash Hello Kitty. Just own it.
1: You know, what's really interesting to me about this, I watched the entire thing. Uh, my husband and I, and I had listened to a podcast, which I now can't find because there are so many fucking podcasts about Tiger King that you can't find the original one. I didn't even know there was going to be a TV series about this. I listened to the entire thing in podcast. I knew the entire story. I knew everything about Carol Baskin's dead husband and everything. I knew the entire story. And still I sat down to watch the video and I was transfixed. I could not stop
0: watching that show. What's your take on it? The reason, like, okay, I think there's two reasons why people are super into it. One is the the superficial reason you right. It's Cats, I think, timing. It came out just as quarantine started. Um, It's got, like, a, a weird, twisted, can't pull your eyes away quality. The characters are just fascinating and bizarre and just incredibly charismatic. And how did they get all this footage? There was a guy who must have been embedded with them for years, like, getting this footage.
1: But there's even the story about, like, there's old footage that supposedly was destroyed when Joe Exotic, the Tiger King... Supposedly um, bombed and burnt down his own, yeah, his video, own studio video studio where he, all of was his in the where he was recording his country tiger <laughs> music videos, which he pirated the music from oh, other Oh, oh and, from- if, if you, and if you haven't
0: listened to like the music video, the one where you got Joe Exotic singing about how Carol Baskin killed her husband, really is actually <laughs> worth listening to. It's something else because he actually does a proper music video with a Carol Baskin look feeding like tigers a fake corpse it's no it's something else to watch but anyway and so like there's just that quality about it but i actually think that there's another reason why it's so compelling because i think on some level and i'm sorry to go dark again but like on some level i think we're all watching a world that we understand is gone now and there's something that feels very like last days of rome about tiger king it's an exotic decadent uh trip into i think it's
1: the future of america (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, that ain't the future. No, that's money. Tiger King. Tiger, <laughs> feeding, Tiger King is in, maybe way trash, but it ain't poor. That's the past, man. What that is, are you that, talking about? Great, Tiger that is King great was Gatsby. I don't
1: know where you're getting this idea. They were the, he he paid his workers. Tiger King paid his workers 125 dollars a week and let them sleep in cockroach infested trailers. Yeah, but so, and, they, so and they
0: Joe Exotic was not poor. Joe Exotic was not poor.
1: Oh, I don't he think he was
0: selling those. He was selling those cubs for five grand a piece. He was making significant cash on on that zoo. The fact that he was underpaying his employees.
1: I think you're missing the under. That's why he wanted to kill Carol Baskin was because she was breaking into. He was making most of his money touring around the country having people pet tigers in malls. And Carol Baskin was on his case and trying to shut down that business. But she
0: did that back in the 90s. What I am saying is that like, to me, he totally exemplified a certain sort of segment of America that has been living high on limited amounts of funds, if that makes sense. He was white trash decadence is what I would describe it as. Like, and I think that that America is now. I think it's gone. I think that that America has just been evaporated by this pandemic. It, it was always a kind of America that was sitting very thinly on the edge, and I think it's now it's gone. Like, like the, for example, the new zoo that they're building, that they're supposedly building to replace the old zoo, the old GW zoo like that's not going to go forward anymore. There's no money for it. There's no tourism for it. There's going to be no tourism for here for the next little while. Like I think that all of these people are the people who are going to get hit the absolute hardest by this pandemic. The the, the sort of the the Joe exotic um strata of society, right? They're going to get creamed by this. Well,
1: I'm more interested in where Carol Baskins husband's body is than that. <laughs> I think all of this this is just, it is what's amazing to anybody who hasn't yet watched it is you watch the first and you think, well, this is pretty weird. And it only gets weirder and darker all the way in. And and we haven't heard the end of this story yet. There'll be more feet to drop. But I, so I have an interest another kind of take on this, Jen. My take is, what I've been noticing about the news and I'd be really interested to know from television people, television news people, if this is the case, I was starting to notice that there was like pet news or animal news in almost every news broadcast that wherever there was something that came turned up on Reddit or Instagram, or Twitter that involved a cute animal, it was going to be on the news that night. And it was almost like it became a feature. And it was like, this was something that they needed to spice up the news feed with, was animal stuff to get people to watch the news. And I that's just my own theory from watching the news. And I just feel like the whole Joe Exotic thing just takes the whole cat video and animal video thing to its extreme logical end, which is tragedy.
0: As someone who did general assignment for many, many years at several different papers, I can confirm, yes, I 100% wrote easy, puffy animal stories, and they were by far the most popular things I wrote, and it was never, ever close. So if there was an animal story, I would write the fuck out of that animal story, and you would read it. You've read my animal <laughs> with stories, pictures. I guarantee it. Yes, with pictures. Like, people <laughs> eat animal stories up they just <laughs> love them so yes you there's something you're, you're, you're there's something very dark about that <laughs> this is completely like and like we've got we, we were tracking that shit man down to the last click like we knew believe me if media were as exploitative and evil as many people seem to believe we are all we would write about would be animals i guarantee it because like <laughs> they are by far the, the things the only things that people want to hear about so yes that's quite correct oh oh Actual theory, I think that Joe Exotic is going to get released from prison because of COVID. I'm putting my money on that prediction right now. And proof, for example, that the universe has a sense of humor and a sense of narrative arc. It sounds like tigers at the Bronx Zoo have tested positive for coronavirus.
1: And how did they get tested? How did how how could tigers in the Bronx get tested when humans can't?
0: Somebody must have put a nasal pharyngeal swab up a tiger's nose. And tested it because it was displayed. But why? Why? Yeah,
1: I don't know. Well, to me, the narrative arc is going to be: Is Carol Baskin going to end up getting tried for the murder of her husband and potentially be convicted of the murder of her husband, while Joe gets released? To be continued. We are going to be hearing more about this story for a long time to come.
0: Carol Baskin, one hundred percent, killed her husband. End. <laughs> so. Sandy, I also just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about what you were doing to cope with this crisis, because I don't know, some people seem to have a really positive, upbeat attitude about isolation and quarantine, and uh, I am not one of those people. You know, people discover themselves in a crisis, and I have discovered this about myself, that I am a bug-eyed prepper and a pessimist. So one of the ways that I'm coping... Uh, is I'm, for example, doing as many things to try and make myself more self-sufficient in my suburban home as humanly possible. Like, I'm learning how to make my own bread. I'm planting vegetable gardens. Um, I'm learning how to do, like, kimchi. I'm learning how to make my own vinegar. I'm making my own red wine vinegar. So, I don't know. It just gives me this kind of utterly illusory sense of control over the universe that has rapidly slipped out of my control, and it makes me feel better. How about you? You know, it's so crazy,
1: isn't it? The baking thing, I'm doing baking. I'm not baking bread, though. um, As people who follow me on Twitter know, I bake scones for my mom every morning and and then defame her and my husband on Twitter about the arguments that we all have. And then we play crib and I make her a martini uh, in the afternoon and we play crib and uh, I count her points for her. Well, she's pretty good, but I'm I'm learning that the way to beat my mom is not to point out the points that she has failed to count for herself. And so that's what, that's what we do. And we're just waiting this whole thing out. I feel like there is something apocalyptic that lies ahead of us in some ways, but right now I'm taking care of my 88 year old mom, baking for her, making her martinis and playing crib. And it's a good life today.
0: Okay, honest question. How much day drinking is appropriate in the age of COVID?
1: Well, I you know what's weird is that my husband doesn't drink. He comes from an Indian background. He doesn't he doesn't drink, and so I don't drink, um, and i I just I make one martini for my mom. That's how, which seems like an exceedingly large amount of drinking to people who don't drink at all.
0: <laughs> so I'm gonna like give you some cover here. If you're in the audience listening to this, if you are day drinking on a near daily basis, it's okay. I'm I'm giving you permission to do that that's that's fine whatever you got to do to make it through it's fine I think that this pandemic's kind of breaking me a little bit I don't know if you're finding that maybe you're coping better with with it better than I am but to be fair I've got two little kids underfoot so you've got you know. little
1: kids I think that's a totally different thing my mom's naps in the day
0: <laughs> yeah no I think I think it's a different thing and to be honest with you it's uh we were saying before the show started like it's not the isolation and what I'm being deprived of that bothers me because let's be blunt I've got like a seven month old baby I wasn't going out (laughs) like there was no there was no bar hopping there was no restaurant I mean maternity leave is isolation if you've been on a maternity leave this all feels very familiar to you but what I see this pandemic depriving my kid of is really really hard and like seeing playgrounds wrapped up in police tape kind of makes me upset very very deeply and to be honest with you it's really making me As opposed to sort of giving me the sense of like civic spirit and social cohesion, and we're all coming together. It's making me feel exactly the opposite. It's making me want to absolutely retreat into a rural lifestyle. So there's like a non-zero chance that I will be taking Oppo into the country when this is all over.
1: Oh dear, oh dear. Well, we're, we're the thing is that we're still in shock. You know, we have a lot of adjustment to do. We're only a few weeks into this. This is going to last longer. We're going to find ways to adjust. Humans have been doing this for. 10,000 years and and we'll continue to do it and we will continue to survive and we'll get there but uh I don't know I don't I have no words of wisdom except to say that humans make it through we just do that's what we do what we've always done and that's kind of that's all she wrote for me
0: is there's any interest among our listeners to like get us kind of a voyeuristic look of escape from the city and into like new homesteading uh please let me know drop us a line at oppo and uh i will add you to my future newsletter on the subject if we decide to go there because i'm kind of half going there i think i might be going there i think i might be becoming a wild-eyed crank and heading into the woods which we all knew was going to happen eventually but i think this is the thing that's pushed me over the line
1: that's it for oppo this week we'll be back in two weeks
0: I promise that we will probably be taking on a more serious and informative topic in our next show. I just couldn't handle it this week, so I'm sorry.
1: To be honest, Jen, you know, Drunk Oppo was pretty popular. It was pretty popular, so we will we may be back there by next
0: week. We may have to be, get, start getting drinking again, so there you go.
1: <laughs> get in touch at oppo at or find us on Twitter
0: at oppocast. This episode is produced by David Crosby. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton, and theme music by Nathan Burley.